Welcome to our weekly tech review, where we explore the latest trends, news and updates from the world of technology. This podcast is the perfect source for staying up to date with what is important to know right now. With me today, I have Vincent from Update, I have Henrike from Freetech Academy, and I have myself, Tarek, from Ideas Engineering. <laughs> yeah, let's 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 well. keep it this way. <laughs> You can watch all episodes on YouTube or listen to us on all major podcast platforms such as Spotify and Apple Podcast while you work out, drive, or maybe even travel through space. And with this being said, let's jump into the news. And today we will start with Henrike and some news about... Where is it? This one? TikTok. TikTok. Yes. So this article from TechCrunch uh, is about TikTok launching a new program that is called Elevate, um, with which they want to identify and support new artists in the music industry. Um, their goal is to help musicians build a sustainable career beyond one-hit wonders. And um, they select signed and unsigned artists uh, from various music genres um, on a global scale. Um, they offer, they want to offer them resources in the app, but also in the real world, uh, which should include early access to new features and support from the TikTok official socials handles. Um, and the program will feature exclusive performances from the artists in their hometowns that will be filmed then for a content series uh, on, on TikTok. Um, the first class of artists that they also mention in this article uh, are also like listed there. Chinchilla, Sam Barbara, Isabella La Rosa. Never heard from any of them. So <laughs> the definitely names. not yet part of my algorithm bubble on TikTok. Um, but what they do, they, they officially partner with Warner Music Group um, for that and um, then have this like mutual benefits like benefits for Warner Music to um, get like also a broader user base from TikTok and um, share marketing opportunities, etc, etc. Um, yeah, what else did they mention? Um, I think basically just that they try obviously with this um, uh, initiative to Uh, compete with other streaming platforms such as Spotify and Apple Music to like really just like extend their portfolio and hopefully get like a um, bigger um, part of the pie so to say <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so I thought um, I mean TikTok is a music platform already um, nevertheless I thought it's a, it's an interesting next step for them to um connect that with with big music corporates or probably it's more interesting for Warner Music actually than it is for TikTok but nevertheless yeah that's the news yeah again TikTok is trying to grab their their space <laughs> in the music industry even more I yeah, mean it's yeah. a kind of for unsigned artists it's actually really um, uh, attractive you yeah. know And to, I remember, to, like, uh, back then with, um, who was it, I think, Macklemore, uh, who started yeah. on YouTube and really boomed on YouTube and became, like, a world-famous star without having, like, a big contract with a 
with a, a label, right? And so Did I could he imagine. Did on YouTube? I think yes. I think uh, he was like a real big artist um, going viral on YouTube and got millions on of views um, even before he was like assigned. Uh, is he today? I, mean, I don't know. What was the other music um, platform? Where a lot of uh, SoundCloud. SoundCloud, yeah, have been discovered. I mean, this is just like now the next example. Right now, yeah, it's, yeah. it's probably going to be TikTok and not YouTube anymore or SoundCloud. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, but uh, makes sense. Though. Right. In in terms of discoverability, um, it's it's amazing what TikTok can do because uh, the algorithm simply pushes those uh, in, in, to the front um, who who get get viral, right? I just wanted to say exactly uh, the algorithm obviously can do a lot for recommendation and personalization mm. algorithms can do a lot for unsigned artists so therefore it is it, the question is where do the additional costs that come with the share that TikTok keeps for making all of this possible mm. uh, lie right is it is it maybe will it backfire on the small creators that <laughs> are creating something and then again have to I don't know, maybe maybe in the future a label will come up with some kind of a discovery fee that is yeah. due to be paid um, by a small artist slash maybe something that will deduct from the, the, the sales they're making on Spotify and co. Um, on the other hand, maybe the big labels will just cover this fee because it's some kind of a some kind of a fixed cost, some kind of sunk cost. They just have to do some kind of investment in order to explore that. Uh, we also see, I think, that a lot of songs are made just for TikTok, right? So we know a yeah. lot of songs have a very, when you listen to a song, often there's this one TikTok moment that you know from the videos, from the viral <laughs> hit, that potentially also was paid for, right? And right. then the, the song turns into something else or just changes again. And I think that also, this will we see more, um, which then again brings up the question if music is something that you can calculate in that specific way, just like we know that there's going to be a summer hit that everybody listens over the summer yeah, and then it will go yeah. down when it cools off. So we see, I have to fear that in the end, uh, not the big labels will carry those costs. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see. And of course, um, as you said, backfiring is a, is a good uh, word for this because um, on the one hand, it's great to have uh, small creators or small um, um, like rising stars uh, being supported by TikTok. But um, in terms of monetization, I think this is also something where uh, the labels are going to pay a lot of money to TikTok to organically push their artists to the top uh, without having them like uh, labeled as commercials or advertising um, and so I think this will be a, another really really big uh, pot of money that they are going to make with this um, because everyone is on TikTok and so uh, being pushed on TikTok might be the most um, profitable thing uh, for an artist Yeah, and so it, it might happen that I, as not a small artist, but someone with a big label uh, behind me, will be the one who benefits most uh, from this new mechanism. I actually just remember that I meant MySpace um, as the <laughs> other platform where a lot of artists have been discovered back in the yeah, days. Back in oh. the days. MySpace. <laughs> MySpace, yes, of course. Never been there, but yeah. Really? I, I skipped that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I had a one. beautiful MySpace page. 
was so amazing with all these custom CSS and GIFs and animations and everything. I can imagine. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> all right. Let's jump. Oh, wait. And now this. It's been a while. <laughs> Let's jump to the next article from Vincent. Yeah, so this is about um, Threats, the new Twitter opponent from Meta. And um, it's been rolled out everywhere around the globe, except for Europe by now. Um, and Adam Mosseri, the head of Instagram, uh, that is also avail uh, responsible for Threats, says that will take a while to actually go here with the new regulations of the uh, Digital Markets Act, we will see that um, threats will take even more time to uh, be delivered here in Europe. And the reason for that is in the end, data privacy and also um, this act that tries to make it harder for monopoles to form. And since threats is only available via Instagram currently, and as far as I understand, um, is also very much intertwined with that. Um, it really much is not compiling in the way uh, that this act uh, wants it, as far as I understood. Um, also, there are some data privacy discussions around that I'm not 100% aware, aware of. However, this means that it will not take a few weeks uh, as we expected first, or just a few very small and short months. And it might take a while before threats will actually enter the European market because it is, as far as I understand, very much contradictory to the strategy of threats being rolled out. I mean, the power of threats in the first week now um, was or is something that we specific two, two weeks now is something that we specifically see because it is connected to your Instagram account. So we see this extreme wave of signups just due to the fact that there was a hype about it. You didn't have to create a new account. Instagram is on your phone. You download threats. You ran easy, just like with Facebook and WhatsApp. So um, that is something that is very contradictory and therefore we don't know what they will do with it. I'm sure the European market is a very interesting market for Instagram and threats. However, as long as threats is not monetized, the European market is still attractive, of course. But then again, as long as it's not monetized, the big argument to go into Europe to, to make a big buck, uh, well, that is just not existing there. Of course, then again, you could also say, well, there is a ramp up period you need to just take in order to actually be able to monetize. And yeah, therefore we'll see what Instagram does to, to make sure the product threats is rolled out right here in Europe. Beyond that, they see that retention is better, usage is better. It's been going down around 50%, I think, the usage. Um, I think also a third of the uh, of the users, if you could scroll a bit, we will see the yeah. number. I think around about 30% of the users left again, maybe a bit deeper, maybe a bit uh, yeah, below. Uh, here it is. Has the, oh, sorry. Active users has around 20% declined and average time spent shrunk about a half. But uh, the head of Instagram uh, took this head on and said that it is de facto better than they expected. And of course, when you have such a, huge hype about something and everyone can sign up it, it doesn't take a lot of what is it called it doesn't take a lot of engagement in order to sign up right i mean i don't know let's take uh 
uh, this this horrible social media platform that's like Twitter that everybody spoke about for a day or two and then it just went away again. Yeah. Mastodon? Yeah, yeah Mastodon. Mastodon, but this is more like still coming. I'm talking about something else, but it doesn't matter. Um, what I want to say is all of these platforms, right, if you sign up there, you're willing to engage. With Instagram, it's different, right? You sign up, threats is different. You sign up with your Instagram account, it's already there. You try it out. Maybe once you delete the app or you don't do anything else, I, I don't know. Uh, the answer is, I think it is very likely that we will see this go down even more. But it looks like that Instagram, not naming any specific numbers, Instagram did expect that, Meta did expect that, and they're really happy with the results. So good for them. Uh, not so good for the European users. Even VPNs are shut down. Uh, even I, that downloaded from the American App Store, a uh, US App Store with a US Apple ID, still also have kind of access, kind of not. I can see my home feed but i cannot see comments for example so it's they're trying really to kick european users to keep european users out of the app and i think just because if too many are on threats they will just run into penalty i think somewhere and then i'm done with it i'm sorry somewhere in the article also says that around 50 million users are in europe no that that can't be right saying it out loud 50 is too much but there is an amount of like a decent amount of people also from europe interested in that and therefore i think meta just is really scared currently they have to pay some kind of a penalty if they let this keep going on i mean it's two weeks in so i don't yeah. think they have that much to worry about yeah but it's uh really interesting to see who is going to take the lead there because for such a long time twitter was the only real uh big player uh, there and everyone who wanted to get subscribed to or went to twitter and now that there are actually so many players uh, on the market um I'm curious to see if this is going to stay this uh the split it up the separated or if there is going to be a new player and i actually didn't think that um that uh, instagram is going to be that popular because um it's so close to facebook or meta and people usually or so, so many people dislike this company for their privacy policies and do not want to start uh, working with the network like that and so uh, probably as you said it's a question of convenience and uh people who want to leave twitter and have this already on their phone why not <laughs> I mean, we already knew before it was launched that Meta will just wait for the perfect moment to launch this. Uh, mm -hmm. It looked like this was in their in their shelf or whatever you call it, right in there. They, they were waiting with it. it. It was kind of ready to be launched. Um, they launched it in a state where they publicly say this is a test. We have more to come, right? I mean, there is much more features to be built in to compete with Twitter. It doesn't have a desktop page. That is a big minus against Twitter because obviously you, obviously uh, that is something that a lot of people who use Twitter use, right? The desktop version of it, media, yeah. for example, Threats is not really attractive for media currently just because of the the way it does it. But Twitter also develops in a really bad way currently. I mean, you look at that. If you I mean if you look if you use the the, the Twitter board, which now it has to be paid for, and and these. Twitter does a lot of interesting things. And so I think threats just came out just as Meta th intended it to to work like. Threats came out at the perfect timing mm. to for people to try out. And yeah. right now, I mean, using the app myself quite a bit, seeing that, seeing the development, I think that right now Meta shareholders who really try, and I, I brought another article for the next week, I think I will bring one, 
about uh, how Meta is losing a lot of money on the other end. I think share, Meta shareholders are really pushing for a product that is easy to do and brings in money. And I think threats could be that one. Yeah, absolutely. And the timing is now because now Twitter is uh, like on the ground <laughs> and everyone and is done. fighting to take take their position. Right. So waiting until Twitter is back. Uh, yeah, <laughs> not a good idea. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And now this. Let's jump to some generative AI uh, because <laughs> this is kind of the the. Because why not? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's like ninety nine percent of my personal news feed is right now generative AI. It's the uh, first time like we haven't heard this the whole episode. That's kind of weird. That's true. I mean, we, for, for weeks we have been. I mean, every article was around that, and now it's. <laughs> It's good. Yeah, but I mean, media and techcon where we were present, uh, we were all talking about generative AI. And so it's not that uh, I, I don't talk a lot about this, um, but the latest news uh, are coming from Ars Technica. And they're, oh, Meta. Yeah, we just talked about Meta. <laughs> Meta launches Llama 2. Um, a source available AI model that allows commercial applications. And this is great, big, big news uh, because so far the big players, um, naming the Microsoft and OpenAI, they are a closed source system where um, everything is, is very uh, much protected. Uh, but now Meta has announced Llama 2, which is a new family of AI language models. Uh, and this one is notable for its commercial license, uh, allowing integration into commercial products, unlike um, the predecessors from OpenAI. And uh, these models range from in, in their size from 7 to 70 billion parameters and reportedly outperform other open source chat models uh, on most of their benchmarks. And the Llama 2 pre-trained models are trained on 2 trillion tokens with a context window of 4,000, around about 4,000 tokens. So it's uh, comparable with the sizes um, of OpenAI. And the Llama 2 fine-tuned models developed for chat applications are trained on over 1 million human annotations. And it is stated that Llama 2 doesn't match OpenAI's GPT-4 in performance, but fares well for source-available models. And the word source-available sounds weird. I'm, I'm going to explain what this uh, means in detail. Um, Llama 2 is available uh, on Microsoft Azure and will also be available on AWS and Hugging Face and other providers. And this is the big advantage so that you are not bound by Microsoft Azure, for example, but you can go wherever you want to host it. And Meta has previously released the precursor of Llama 2, the Llama, <laughs> with non-commercial licenses, but this one was leaked and spread widely, so people already had this. And Llama 2 allows for commercial use, but requires special permission from Meta for licensees with over 700 million uh, active users, and this is the, the hard part here. Um, Because uh, the, the problem is the moment that they limit the commercial use for certain users, they technically can't call it open source anymore because open source requires you to allow this for all users to be used uh, and not only for people uh, with a certain um, um, property. Yeah, and uh, that's why uh, the critics say that um, they they have to lose this label of open source and call it uh, instead something like source available. So you can access the sources, you can use this in certain types, um, but for certain commercial applications, you need like a special permission by Meta. Um, yeah, uh, but this now shakes up the market of uh, large language models because now we can seriously start 
for example, replacing open source uh, resources, sorry, open AI resources now with Llama uh, in those use cases where it ha uh, where it fits, and we were all waiting for uh, yeah quite some time that this uh, this happened now because we were always playing with these open source alternatives, um, but so far nothing was really beating uh, OpenAI's um, models, and at least now uh, in comparison with uh, ChatGPT. Uh, or these um, GPT 3.5 models that are like the, the cost-effective um, solutions by OpenAI, they might be replaced now by Llama, uh, depending on uh, what the next tests will bring. Yeah, but this is really exciting. Uh, and finally, we have some open source, sorry, <laughs> source available alternatives on the market. Tarek, this might be a bit dumb, but could you maybe Never. summarize in just a few sentences um, what the big difference there is? I mean, we all understand the basic concept of so available source code and uh, closed source, um, but why is this specifically relevant in the in the field of uh, AI and LLMs? And I have another stupid question also connected to the Azure thing that you mentioned because I actually watched the announcement of Microsoft that Llama will be coming to Azure but they did not say Azure only they said it will be coming to Azure and Microsoft uh, and Windows and that confused me because isn't Windows a product produced by Microsoft yes but it is not an interface you run such LLM on it is more something where you in the end display something like that so why do they say it comes to Azure I mean to Xcode it would make sense for me in a certain way even though I'm not working in the field I'm not a developer like you um, but why specifically mention Windows yeah uh, first the first question um, regarding open source and source available from a technical point of view it's not really a big difference um, I can access the the sources I can use it for whatever I want to use it um, it's it's just a question of the license uh, with open source I can use this for my private projects I can use this for my commercial projects and um, I I won't get sued for doing so uh, because uh, nobody uh, has like these exclusive rights. Um, the, the problem here is that Meta says if you are like a large company with uh, very, very huge demands and what was the number? 700 something. Just Seven like Android. Everybody it's can use Android on their mobile device. But if you are making money with it, you have to pay for a license. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and uh, Meta is saying if you have more than 700 million, million monthly active users, then you need like a special permission or maybe even a special license from Meta to be allowed to use that. And in this moment, it loses this license of open source. Um, so technically, it's, it's not a big difference, but in terms of licensing, it is then a closed license. And so um, the sources are available, that's why. Uh, source available but technically um, and I'm not sure who can specifically uh, forbid this or, or label this um, the label open source is not applicable anymore and so Llama is not applicable um, to be open source licensed um, and uh, for, for your second question um, available on Microsoft Azure is technically just um, yeah like a, a question of convenience because um, Azure is a, a cloud provider for Microsoft 
Um, and so you can create generic um, resources there and for example, install certain LLMs. Uh, and so they are going to build up a marketplace uh, where, like on AWS, where you just create on demand certain technologies, certain instances, uh, certain LLMs for your uh, specific needs. Um, and uh, th this will be available with different kinds of open source uh, models. Open source meaning Microsoft has the right to use these sources to simply use them within their infrastructure. If it would be um, uh, clo closed source, uh, then they were not able, uh, would not be able to do that. Like, for example, with the OpenAI models. OpenAI has this uh, specific contract with Microsoft so that Microsoft can offer OpenAI resources on Azure. But AWS does not have the rights to do so. And so when you are on AWS from, from Amazon, you will not see the option to create open AI resources because they have this exclusive contract with Microsoft. How come though that is specifically mentioned, there was a question that I wrote down mm -hmm. for us today, that it specifically mentioned it would come to Windows. I mean, I yeah. do understand what, what it does with Azure, but Windows? Yeah, the Windows question I, I can't answer. Um, I could speculate that they are planning to create some features based on uh, Llama, even though I wouldn't know why, because they are working with OpenAI stuff. Um, but it could be that um, they found Llama to be more efficient for some use cases or in terms of resources so that they use uh, one of these small Llama um, uh, models for use case X, Y. I don't know. Um, but this is speculation. I, I, I don't know why they specifically say uh, Windows, but the only thing that I can think of is that they built up some features based on that. I'm, I'm sorry this is a Q&A talk. I have one more question. Can I, <laughs> no can I ask one more question? I'm sorry. Sure. And just the listeners will about, be uh, interested in this as well. It, just talking about Azure and its connection to OpenAI, we know mm -hmm. there has been this really big investment of Microsoft into OpenAI. Yes. We know a big part of it, a big chunk of this investment is actually not cash flow. Um, it is actually uh, or value. It is um, time and resources on the Azure servers because obviously OpenAI needs a lot of it to develop their engines. Um, where does Llama run? I mean, it's developed by Meta. So uh, for now, Meta has like their, their own uh, computational um, areas, um, infrastructure where they are developed this. Um, but technically they provide this for downloading. So you can run this wherever you want to run this. You could run this on your local machine. You can run this on AWS. You can run this on Azure, wherever you want. Um, so the, uh -huh. the, this is like, it's a software solution. So you can run it wherever you want to run. It's just, of course, very resource intensive. So, it's, so the huge difference in the end is not only that this is open source, it mm -hmm. is also a big difference because I'm not, I'm not forced to use yeah. it within the Azure environment. Right. So right. if my business is based on AWS, which a lot of businesses are, we know that AWS biggest yeah. provider in that field, or if I actually want to work with Oracle or I have to work with Oracle services, uh, which is just a small chunk of the market, but I technically would, and I would need, I, and I need LLMs to function. This is kind of the savior of my current solution, ignoring BART for a moment, which is rolling out bit by bit. Right. Globally. Exactly. 
Yeah, Bart is owned by Google. And so you will have to be part of the Google Cloud to utilize Bart because this is why they are why are, uh, they are building this. And at the same time, you have OpenAI and Microsoft on the other front. Um, and Amazon, for example, they are not as successful yet with developing their own LLM. They are also developing something like that, um, but they are not at the forefront. Uh, but still, they are creating this marketplace for open source uh, solutions um, where you can use AWS resources for hosting um, these open source uh, systems. And therefore, they will still get their market share of users um, who either do not want to pay Microsoft or Google for their infrastructure because they are very, uh, very costly um, or simply want to stay within their AWS ecosystem. How ironic that specifically the, the, the product of Meta owned by Mark Zuckerberg, right? The, <laughs> and, and which is the whole company, privacy, I, I would say not focused, they're insane about privacy, right? Mm -hmm. How ironic is that the that the first big and reliable solution in that field that actually could be a competitor to the big ones, to BART and specifically OpenAI, comes from Meta, this company mm -hmm. that is, again, crazy about privacy, crazy about protection of their products, crazy about all of this. Mm -hmm. And then... <laughs> They still deliver this open source tool that gives more flexibility than all of the other players. I don't know how I feel about that. It's just crazy. It might be that this is a strategic move um, because they lost the race to market. And since now um, Microsoft and Google are the big players who have their closed solutions uh, already there, maybe it is like their strike to be the third one. And now grabbing everyone with their open source solution, uh, simply damaging uh, the market position of the others without uh, like uh, providing the same thing, the same technology lock-in that uh, Microsoft and Google have and simply say, okay, uh, we are not the first to market, but we are the first big open source solution on mar uh, to market. So everyone who does not want to uh, work with closed systems now goes to Meta. Yeah, so this might be a genius strike on hitting the others uh, where it hurts most. On their exclusivity, you, could, you, you can compare it a bit with uh, you can compare it a bit with the race to the personal computer, right? I mean, yeah. think about Apple just delivered delivering their Mac OS systems, and back then there still was IBM with their personal computer and their personal computer system not licensing out their software, and then there's Microsoft that you know partners with Compaq and all of the other small providers that in the end made the race. It's it's so interesting too. Yeah, yeah. I, I know I'm stretching out the podcast. We need to be <laughs> done with this. I know I just want to stress how much I like this uh this 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 open battle currently that right. now seems even more balanced. Right, right. All right. Uh, yeah, but I think we are through with our time. Uh, thank you everyone for tuning in into Tech Review. I think it's episode 71 already. And uh, see you and hear you next week. Bye. On the flip side. Oh, Bye. -bye. Yeah. <laughs>